You're listening to the Prince College Podcast, a ministry at Prince Avenue Baptist Church, where our goal is to lead you to trust and follow Jesus. Hey guys, welcome to the fifth episode of the Prince College Podcast. I am joined here with my special friends, Emma Story and Chandler Watson. How are you guys doing? Hello, Doing good. I am so excited. Awesome, awesome. Well, um... Do you guys have any interesting stories from today or this week? Oh, Daniel, have we got a story for you. Chandler, you want to you wanna share with the class? Share with the podcast? <laughs> so, class. yeah, it, it, <laughs> it may not seem like a big deal to anybody else, but this was just, it really proved a lot about me. Um, about 10 minutes before we started this podcast, we were walking into the church, um, and we needed a key fob to walk in here. So I had asked um, one of the ladies in our office, Miss Emily Hicks, for her key fob, and so I go and get it, we come back, and uh, she had given me two extra ones to try out, and I try one of them out, and it doesn't work, so my first instinct was I chunked it into the trash can, not thinking, that oh, I probably he, need that. And he was, like, making direct eye contact with us the whole time, and I was like, what? What do you do? They can reactivate it, <laughs> so it's just in the trash can. Sunday morning trash is still there. Um, and so then Emma and I went dumpster diving in that small little trash can to find that fob and Daniel just sat there with a flashlight and we were all dying laughing because it kind of proved that I have a very low discernment <laughs> it was so funny because he tossed it in there with just full confidence that nothing was wrong with his actions I know like he was he was so confident. Not, a, not a doubt in the world just like we don't need this neither today here you go and trash. I think when your hand hit the wet smarty that's when you were like oh yeah this is not <laughs> this is not the right decision speaking of not having a doubt in the world we're going to come at you uh, talking about truth this morning. Not just our truth or the world's truth, but real truth. We're going to be talking about God's truth. We're going to be talking about scripture. The Snaps truth. to that. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and so today, like Daniel was saying, we are going to be talking about the Bible um, or scripture. And we've got a few questions for us today to kind of organize us as we go along, just like we do every week. Um, and we like to kind of start off with more generic things so that it kind of pushes us in, but it also, uh, we don't just say random words without definitions. We want to know what we're talking about and when we're talking about it. So our first question for today is, what is the Bible? Good question. Good question. Well, I think it is the inspired word of God, um, first and foremost. Um, I mean, it's a book for all people for all time. You know, 66 books, 40 different authors written over 1,500 years, um, divided into Old Testament, New Testament, uh, with different books, law, historical, poetry, prophecy, um, biographies, epistles, all these things pointing to one man, Jesus Christ. But um, it is the inspired word of God. We know in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, all scriptures God breathed, right? Um, so I think that's the simplest definition, um, just to start us off. Yeah, th- that was really a loaded statement though. Um, there, though, because uh, I don't know if you said it in there, but it's the book was written over thousands of years, right? 40 different authors, you said, 66 different books written over thousands of years, and yet they all point to one person, what, to Jesus Christ. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit more? 
Yeah, so I think Adam talked about it in the gospel episode, but he he started in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, and he talked about how um, the creation, this story is a his, like, historical and true text. And so um, in the story of creation, it's Genesis 1 when the earth was created. And so from that point on, everything is pointing to Christ. Like Christ was there in creation. He was there um with God, and then when Adam and Eve fell, um, he was promised to the world to be the sacrifice in Genesis three. And so, um, because from beginning to end, everything is pointing to um, the climax, which is Jesus. Like this whole text is about Jesus. Yep. Yeah, it is God's complete revelation to us um, in instruction and wisdom, and how we should know Him, and just tells the entire story of beginning to our future end of. God's rescue plan for us, his restoration of our relationship. Um, it is complete divine instruction, and um, we know that it is true, and we know that it is um, it is good. Mm. So you mentioned a word in there I want to hit on, revelation. God has generally revealed himself in creation. This is Romans 1. God has revealed himself in creation, so that's why we look up at a mountaintop and we can say that a God is real. We look at at the oceans, trees, grass, and it all points to the reality that there is a God who created it. It's like uh, you wouldn't look at a computer and say that that just popped up out of nowhere. You wouldn't look at... You wouldn't look at a phone and say nobody made that. You wouldn't even look at a book and say no one wrote that. You would immediately know the intention behind. Like when you're driving a car, you know someone put this car together. Mm-hmm. There is um, something within us that tells us there is a creator behind all of this. That's why we can look outside and we know that. So there's general revelation. One, God has specially revealed himself, however, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So um, uh, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, and John 1 are the three big texts on this, on God revealing himself to us. Uh, In Hebrews 1, God revealed himself at many times, in many ways, but in these last days, he has revealed us, he has revealed himself to us by his son. So Jesus Christ is the special revelation of God. Um, You hear so often people ask, you know, how, how can I know what God's really like. You know what God is really like by looking at his son because his His son is mm. the image of the invisible God. Um, and so there's general revelation, special revelation, and then progressive revelation. So progressive revelation is not um, like a, a uh, political term. It is a progressive revelation in that God has progressively revealed himself throughout history um, in the culmination of his special revelation in Jesus Christ. So for instance, God revealed himself a little bit in Genesis 1. He revealed himself even more to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. He then reveals himself even more to King David, and he fully reveals himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So those three big terms, um, I I would say, are very important in understanding the Bible. General revelation, God has revealed himself through creation, special revelation, God has revealed himself through the personal work of Jesus Christ, and progressive revelation throughout history, God has revealed himself, and then in the culmination of time through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing that this is the inspired word of God and knowing that this is what the word, what it says is truth, can we trust our Bibles? That's a good question. Um, And just to set the groundwork, yes, we can trust our Bibles. But it's old, Daniel. It is old. 
um, which I think is one of the reasons we can trust the Bible. Like mm-hmm. It stood the test of time. Um, but more importantly, I just, you know, look at characteristics of the Bible, you know, like it is the very word of God. And we know that God is true. We know that he is, you know, his word stands forever. I mean, again, in Second in Timothy three, sixteen through 17, you know, it says all scripture is God breathed. Um, and there's more to that verse, which we'll get into it in, in a few minutes. But then also in Second Peter uh, 1, 20 through 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So like we said, you know, it is 40 different authors of the Bible, but those authors did not put anything of their own interpretation into the Bible, but it was all revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. And each word in the Bible is the very word of God. And we know that because it's the word of God and because it's from God, it is true because God cannot tell a lie. Um, so we, we know that it, it's true from multiple, I mean, Scripture defines scripture, right? John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Psalms one nineteen one sixty, the sum of your word is truth. Proverbs thirty verse five, every word of God proves true, right? So we know that it is God inspired. It is true, and the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Um, I mean, we see there's no theological contradictions throughout the Bible, um, even though it's been written by forty different authors over fifteen hundred years, right? That's crazy. That all throughout the Bible there's nothing that contradicts itself but it's written over by 40 different men across like generations and generations who didn't know each other and they didn't know what each other wrote they weren't able to sit down at a round table and kind of hash it out right Mm -hmm. Um, and the Bible is so consistent and it's so thorough and and it lines up so perfectly with every prophecy with every with every promise we see that it's all fulfilled um, even though it was written across this grand period of time which I think is just a couple reasons I think we can trust the Bible um, even though there's there's plenty more um on that note I know this wasn't originally one of our questions but what do we make of you know when, when we're doing the great exchange one of the biggest rebuttals we get from people when you're sharing the gospel is okay well you know it's been translated 50 times and uh, we can't really trust the Bible because, you know, man translated it. So not everything's true in there. So how can we trust our Bibles, even though there's been so many translations of it? What would you say to that person who says that? There's a book called Tactics that is so good of like having difficult conversations with people, not difficult, but like conversations with people who don't believe what you believe about the scripture like about God and about Christianity and about why we are like about our identity in Christ and part of the arguments in there are talking about like the validity of scripture and I wish I had it with me but he says that there is no text in historical documentation that is upheld as many tests as the word has Mm -hmm. the gospel accounts because I've heard this too the gospel accounts if you were to take four different people who saw the, f- the same thing happen throughout 10 years, if they saw the same person, followed the same person for 10 years and had all four of those accounts, they would not match up as much as the gospel accounts do. And so th- therefore the gospel accounts are so valid that it's nearly impossible to negate them. Not only is it nearly impossible to negate them because of their validity towards one another, it's nearly impossible to negate them because these men who wrote this, wrote this, seeing this, wrote this, believed it, and then died for it. 
who do you know? I, you can make the argument that someone crazy did, but you get four crazy people all together who wrote the same thing and then believed it and then died for it. Like, that's hard to believe that, that you, would, you could get four people who believed in something that much to where they are willing to die for it. Yeah, and I think with that, I mean, when people make the argument about the Gospels and, and slight differences, I mean, you're taking four people with four different perspectives, you know, and that doesn't mean any of them are wrong. They're, see, they're just, they're different personalities, they're different thought processes, and they see them in different angles, right? And they're just all adding to the same story, which we know has lined up so well and so beautifully for the Gospel to be um, so clearly seen in those books. Um, yeah, so... I would say also, ultimately, goes back to your original statement, faith, um, mm-hmm. because we have to believe that there's a God who has sovereignly, through his Holy Spirit, formed the scriptures together by his will to fully reveal himself. Um, and truthfully, what has given me so much peace um, in trusting the scriptures is looking at the story of the Bible as a whole, to know that thousands of years before Christ lived, one, Genesis 3 is right there and tells us that there's going to be one who will come and crush the head of Satan, and then one comes and crushes the head of Satan. Like, that gives me so much hope and peace, knowing that that fulfillment is there. And then you look at Moses and David and Abraham and how Christ fulfilled every one of them. When you start to look at the word for its typology, these different types of Christ in the Old Testament, and how Christ has fulfilled every single one of them, it is... It, it's mind-blowing, and it gives you so much peace and hope. Not not just Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 3. Look at Isaiah 53. The A lot of theologians call it the first gospel, the gospel before the gospels, because uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. 700 years before Christ was even born, before human minds thought of him, Isaiah prophesies there will be one who will come who will be pierced for our transgressions, who will be looked upon and um, disgraced and despised and rejected by men. Like, that gives me so much hope and peace to look at the prophets, the Psalms, um, and the the Pentateuch, the first few books in the Bible, and to know that Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. So, with all that being said... um, what are some ways that you would describe scripture? Uh, Daniel, you mentioned a few in the beginning there when you were talking about genre, but what what are some of the attributes of scripture? I would say it's really sweet. Like it is a, I was preparing, like I've been reading some things and I just looked at people who oppose the Bible and they're talking about how um, there's uh, like unjust punishment, like all these cruelties in the scriptures and it's sweet if you're a child of God. It's sweet if this word is the word that has transformed your life and given you a new identity. Um, for those who don't know Christ and don't have a relationship with him, this is a foreign text. This is a text that won't, um, that, that'll be hard to take. Like, yeah. if you aren't transformed by the gospel, by the story that it's telling, you won't understand it. And so I think I, I this past year I've just realized how sweet the word is and how... Um, like how sweet it was of God to give us this word when he didn't wow. have to, you That's know, like man. he just revealed himself in this really kind way of wow. showing us who he is through his word. Um, so sweet. I would be, would be the first word. I didn't even like, that wasn't even on my radar. That's so good. Emma. I was, I was thinking way more like theological, but that just knocked every one of my answers <laughs> out of the park. 
good uh that was yeah amen um yeah and with that i mean like of course of course the bible doesn't make sense to the unbeliever yeah. because it is the holy spirit that reveals the truth mm-hmm. of the word to us yeah. you know and makes it the reality in which it is and to the unbeliever who doesn't possess the holy spirit i mean you know it's rubbish right yeah uh, the word of god is is Foolishness to, foolish, yeah, foolishness to those who are perishing yeah. but it is, it is a gift of life to those who you know christ right um that that was really good i wasn't even thinking of of that kind of answer to the question i was thinking kind of more we long go home, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah, we'll just we'll just stop right here and let emma go uh the rest of the podcast no, um no. but one of the one of the things my first thoughts was you know attribute of the scripture is the the word is christ right um, you see John 1, 1, in the beginning, the word was, or in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then John, same chapter one fourteen, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So like, this is not just random text on a page, right? Yeah. This is not like picking up a textbook for school, like 101, how to be a Christian, right? This is the very, like this, the word of Christ is also Christ himself. Like yeah. it's, it's him like it's it's the son revealed to us through mm. um through divine revelation through the word mm. um so that's the first thing right and um uh, it's also our instruction you know it's the way in which we should live and to to finally finish the verse second timothy 16 uh through 17 all scriptures breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be um competent equipped for every good work right so everything that we could ever need everything that we could ever um want to learn or know about jesus about following him um and and how to to walk in righteousness and, and equipped for every good work it's found in the written word of christ and there's nothing missing from it right there's yeah. nothing that like man, if only he would have told me how to do this, you know, if only he would have told me whatever, you know, like it's everything that we could ever need. Yeah. And I'll rush through mine because those two are, uh, are amazing. The, I'd add authoritative, which goes with your instruction. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, it is authoritative to us in that everything in it is, um, and true and worthy to be followed. Um, I'd add clear, um, not clear in that everyone always gets it right when, when they try to interpret it, <laughs> but clear in that God has clearly revealed himself through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uh, full and complete. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there is nothing more to be added to it. Uh, it is it is absolute. Um, it is God-breathed, and uh, God did not... He, he closed it um, at Revelation. He started it at Genesis and closed it at Revelation. And so... Um, so with that being said, I mentioned, you know, not everybody always gets it, gets the interpretation right. How can we better understand the Bible? How can we better, um, process it, interpret it, study it? Well, first, I mean, like lean on God, you know what I mean? Like we dare not resign to reading God's book in our own human capacities because we're just going to fall short. Like I said earlier, like this is divine revelation. This is from the wisdom and the thoughts and the love of Christ, which we are far incapable of understanding by ourselves. Yeah. So we need to lean on God for help, you know, through through praying, um, through the scripture, you know, those meditating and relying on the Holy Spirit to reveal those truths on us. You know, that's first and foremost is realizing that we can't understand in our own logic. We can't understand in our own capacities and we have to lean on God for truth um and then i'd say linger over the truth right it's one thing to read the word and it's one thing to study the word they're not the same 
Mm-hmm. Like I can read over something, you know, you read through textbooks all the time, you read through other books all the time and you get to the end of the pages and you're like, oh man, like I, I have to reread that. You know, I just totally read that without even comprehending it. And so we have to study, we have to spend time in the Bible, we have to meditate on God's word, we have to pray through scripture, um, we have to linger there and, and really meditate on what does this mean, how does this, you know, how does this, impl- like, how does this imply to my life, you know, how does this change who I am, what does this say about, yeah. you know, who I am, who God is, all those kind of things, um, ask questions, you know, if you don't understand something, then ask questions about it and find the answers in, in truth, and I think that helps us understand the Bible better is, and when we don't know, ask the question and then find the answer. And then I'd say do it consistently. You know, over 60% of Christians don't read their Bible consistently. And it's really hard to understand if you're not in it. So I would really commend people to, to read their Bible as consistently as it is. Um, you know, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. 4. Yeah, you kind of, the thing that I focused on mo- the most would be consistency um, and Proverbs talks about it. It says, for I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. So like there, if you have endurance in reading the word, even when it doesn't make complete sense, like if you are holding with what Daniel said of like pray before, really meditate on it. Don't rush too quickly through a scripture, like through a text. Um, don't flip to a random text what you're feeling you need to do. Like if you're consistent with reading through the word reading in context of what the word is saying then I think that that helps you better understand it and also like there has to be some studying when you're reading God's word like yes it's sweet but it's written for a different culture a different context than what we're living in today and so you have to understand a little bit about this historical aspects I think for it to make more sense yeah and I think Daniel and I uh, and, and all three of us have said something to the effect that it needs to transform our lives, that we need to let it uh, affect us in every way to transform us. Um, however, one of the biggest problems when people read the Bible is they read it and immediately jump to application. Um, and it's, it's, I, I read one time in a book, I think it was by Kevin DeYoung. Um, I don't remember what book it was, but he, he had made the, <laughs> the joke that, you know, if we just resort to that kind of Bible reading, you could turn, um, there's a, a verse in the New Testament that's, that says uh, Judas went and hung himself. Well, then you could turn a few more pages and um, Jesus saying, you go and do likewise. And so you go, you read those two scriptures next and back to back and you jump to application. That's, that's not healthy for anyone and not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we have to be careful in that we shouldn't always run straight to application when we read the Bible, um, yeah. there is, Emma mentioned it, context in every um, text to the specific people reading it. Yeah, oh, and for I, th- sure. I think if you read with the idea of, um, like, I am reading this text to know more of my God, I think that's a, that's a helpful way to approach looking at a text of, like, how is God revealing himself to me in this in this scripture, because this whole book is about him. It's not about us. Um, it's about his power and his grace and his mercy um, and his story. Mm. Yeah. So looking at looking at the world that we're going into and looking at if we are meeting with somebody or we're reading the Bible with a non-believer and somebody says, well, that's just your interpretation of the Bible. How do we make sense of people thinking that they have their own interpretation of the Bible? 
Daniel's got a sick Spurgeon quote he's going to give us in a second. And so I'm going to start it off really quickly and then I'm going to let him take it away. (laughs) But I would say to that person that when, yes, okay, you may have your own interpretation of what you're reading in the scriptures. And I understand that. um, And I respect that. And my interpretation may be different from you. However, we are not looking at the scriptures each to get our own interpretation what our job in studying the Bible is to look at the scriptures and get to the original interpretation of the text. For instance, if you're reading Ephesians, you're not reading Ephesians to get your own interpretation of Ephesians. You're reading Ephesians to see what Paul originally meant, what his original intent was to the churches at Ephesus, um, what they were dealing with, why he was writing it, for whom he was writing it, and um, the the literal interpretation. It's not when you read a hard word in Ephesians, you immediately go, ah, I, I, I think differently of that than you do. That's not how we look at that. We look at that and say, okay, what did Paul mean when he said this? No, absolutely. I think that's so good to, to consider. I mean, it can't be true of us today if it wasn't true of them then. You know, we have to look at the author's context and the context of the culture and all those things. You know, we don't look at... We don't look at the scripture. The scripture doesn't morph meanings based on how our culture is today, you know, and a lot of people look at it that way. But I mean, the Bible's authoritative truth is not subjective truth. It's not based on how we feel. It's not based on um, our upbringing. It's not based on, you know, how we wish it would wish it would um, would go. Right. And one of the I mean, it's one of the parts of the Bible that I think is the most gives me the most confidence. gives me the most hope. You know, the Bible is true regardless of how we feel about it and regardless of how we interpret it, right? And it is authoritative, absolute truth. So, you know, that fact that that God is love, I mean, that's true whether I feel it or not. That's true whether I see it or not. That's true whether someone opposes it or not. You know, this is the only foundation that is true and solid. That's why, you know, I love that that song, you know, this solid rock in which I stand, because it is a solid rock. It is an immovable truth that, that we can really base our entire lives on. Because it's not subjective, right? And then um, that that six Spurgeon quote, which I think you know he might roll over if he if he heard his, <laughs> someone referring to his own quote as sick. But they go, you know, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong; it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Ooh. Um, so it's like a lot of people get scripture almost right, That's right? Good. But almost right truth is not truth at all. Um, it's like you know you go to a court case and. If you say something that's almost true, it can be the difference in convicting you or not. But if you say something that's true, you know, it makes all the difference, right? Um, You know, it's like, I almost broke into their home. No, you broke into their home. Like, you're guilty, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I I wasn't in the neighborhood or, you know, like, in the front lawn. Like, you you broke in and stole something, right? Um, So, I mean, like, it's – you you take something – I mean, whenever I talk to students or or younger kids about – about taking the, the Bible in context, you, I, I always use Philippians 4.13. Because um, one, everybody knows it. And two, it's an easy verse that people yeah. take out of context all the time, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not like you're going into the locker room of your football game, like we can win this because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not, the, that's not what the it's purpose not what Paul meant by it. of the text, right? Paul like was he's not talking thinking about of your 10U <laughs> football exactly. team when he wrote that. Exactly. He's talking about being content in Christ, right? Whether I, whether I have much or whether I don't have anything at all. Like I've learned the secret of being content for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like, no matter the circumstance we have contentment in Christ, you know, that's what he's trying to, 
that's what he's trying to tell us. Not that you can go and dunk on a 10 foot goal when you're only, you know, five, two, that's not, you know, sorry, it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so just remembering those kind of things, like it's not our interpretation, right? That matters. It's, it's what the word says is true. And I would, I would add this, uh, Oftentimes, when we try to make our quote-unquote own interpretation, we let the world affect that. And what I mean by that is, I want you guys, the other two of you, and even if you're listening to this podcast, close your eyes, and I want you to think, okay, uh, I'm about to tell you about the story of Humpty Dumpty, okay? I love this story. Humpty Dumpty sat on a great wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Okay, open your eyes. What? Right in here. <laughs> what did you picture when I said that? An egg. Where in the story did it mention an egg? It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. I'm flabbergasted. The original poem was written about a knight or maybe even a king who fell off the top of a tower. It wasn't written o- about an egg at all. And so oftentimes, I use this analogy when we're talking about scripture, oftentimes when we're reading scripture, we infuse into the text what it never I- even mm-hmm. meant in the first place. Yeah. And so this is why we have to read the text, looking for original intent, letting the text form us based on what the text says, not on what you heard as a kid at a youth camp. Um, and yeah. so that conversation made me think about Habakkuk because it's great. But in it, it says, um, he stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. The et- then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. So it's not that you read the text and you think, oh, how does it apply to me in this season? No, this text was written by God for himself, and it's always been his intent for the scripture to be read mm. in his everlasting ways. Amen. When you're reading a text, always read the text, go to context, then go to the cross, especially uh, wherever you are. If you're in New Testament, Old Testament, no matter what, go to the cross, see how it points to Jesus Christ, and then go to application. Application should always be ran through the other two points before you jump to application. So, so you're telling me when I read Leviticus 19, I go to the cross? You sure especially do. Especially when you read Leviticus 19. <laughs> Especially any the middle few chapters of Leviticus is nothing but about the cross. So to go with that, um, I had a six version quote. Now I have a cool Calvin quote about um, <laughs> about looking to Jesus and everything. So the scripture should be read with the aim of finding Christ in them. Whoever turns aside from this object, even though he wears himself out all his life in learning, he will never reach the knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what you said is so true. Um, we cannot read the Bible in light of our own circumstances. We read the Bible in light of Jesus and the story of Jesus. And that then teaches us about our circumstances and how to go about it. And and that would be, I mean, for me, that would be one of my biggest Bible reading tips. You know, if we were to, to hash out a couple, I mean, yeah. look to Jesus when you read, right? Um, and then, so what, what are some of your guys' like favorite not favorite, but just like some Bible reading tips that you would give. You know, we've talked about what is the Bible, why is it important, those kind of things. Um, so, like, reading the Bible, what are some good tips on, on how to read and how to go about that and build that habit? 
So right now in my quiet time, I'm reading through the Psalms. Um, and I needed to be here because I like to rush things and I like to get ahead of myself. And so the Psalms require me to meditate, I think, and just really look and see, okay, these are the true emotions of David and other psalmists. How do they handle their big emotions? Because I have those. Um, and how how does the Lord want me to approach this life? How does the Lord want glory from the life he's given me and so I think when doing my quiet time um, I really like to journal and I like to as I as I read through the text like if there's a question I have by the verse I like to stick out at the verse and not try and rush ahead Um, and so yeah journaling is really good for me I also write in my bible a ton um, because it it requires me less like transition time I guess and I don't have notes scattered throughout everywhere if that makes sense because I'm just a scattered person um and also being in a in a not silent room but like having soft music helps me focus instead of trying to think about my grocery list or how many loads of laundry I have so yeah and I do want to mention we didn't mention this anywhere else in the episode but we're going to do another episode with Adam on um, biblical literacy part two where Adam will kind of walk us a little bit more through genre like say we're in the Psalms well, how is that different than being in a gospel how is that different from being in Revelation um, so that that podcast will come in a few weeks but for right now we just want to give you tips on like our personal quiet time um, for me I just um, recently actually in the past two months um, I've kind of cha- changed the, the method I was doing so for the longest time I was just in the the church reading plan, so I was in the New Testament reading plan, reading through, um, beginning in uh, Matthew, and I think I was in Acts when I kind of took the break. Uh, it was right when summer hit. Um, I just had realized that there was some uh, some spiritual need in my life uh, to kind of step away from the the normal reading plan, and that's not to say there's not anything helpful in Acts. There is. But I, I needed to take it slow. I felt like I was rushing through a lot too quickly. And so I took a break and um, I, I've been studying Ephesians. Uh, just I spent probably six or seven weeks in Ephesians 1. Um, and it's been so fruitful and so helpful. So um, something I'd say as just tips in general is, one, if you're just starting out, get a plan. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Bible reading plans. Um, but don't condemn yourself if you don't make like if you don't meet the plan like say for instance on july 13th you're supposed to read uh i don't know a certain chapter of in romans and you don't get to that chapter don't condemn yourself and make yourself feel absolutely pitiful because you missed that it's okay get caught up tomorrow get caught up tonight like you god wants you to be reading his word and spending time with him it's not like if you miss one day you're you're being fully condemned there's no condemnation for those in christ jesus and so um i would i would say get a plan uh stay committed to that plan because if say you're doing old testament you hit leviticus or numbers or deuteronomy you're gonna want to stop but don't stop because the more you read the more you are training yourself the more you're building muscles to be able to make it through those kinds of texts and so i'd say um get a bible reading plan stick to it don't condemn yourself and if you need to take a break and slow down, maybe you need to go read the Psalms. Maybe you need to go read an epistle um, and just take it slow. You don't have to read one chapter a day. You don't have to read some reading plans four chapters a day. You, some, some, maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you do need to read that much. Some of you not so much. I would, I would maybe even a few verses. Um, but you, 
of course, again, going back to what we said earlier, stick with the context, know what the author meant um, when you're reading, and let it transform your life. Yeah, that's really good. Um, <clears throat> for me, I mean, what really helped me um, when I was struggling to find consistency in my quiet times, um, I just I had to pick a certain time each day that I was going to read, right? So um, it's like I woke, you know, wake up. I used to last whenever I just started doing this, I was waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning, um, which is different from my schedule now. But it's, you know, based on your schedule, like you wake up similar time and it's, you know, I know that I wake up, I read my Bible or I wake up, I shower, read my Bible. Like it just like brushing your teeth. You just remember it out of habit because you do it at the same time every day. Um, make that true of your Bible reading. Um, and then again, like I fully agree with Chandler, like have a plan. Um, cause it just helped. Like, it's so hard to wherever the wind blows, you know, and like you just open your Bible. Like that's not an effective way to study. It's not an effective way to learn. Um, cause you can't base it on the context of the rest of the book. If you're just randomly in the middle of it, you know? So, um, one thing that helps me in, in coming to the, coming to the word of God is, is doing my best to respect it. Um, Spurgeon says to trifle with scripture is to deprive yourself of his aid, reverence it and look up to God with devout gratitude for having given it to you. So whenever I like remind myself, like this is, this is the word of God. This is not just a book or uh, a check, you know, off the list of Christian activities. Like this is, like this is God's word to me. Um, this is how I live my life for him. Um, and that it is, it is complete truth in everything. Um, that always helps me like just putting a good frame of mind around like going into, um, reading the Bible with that, with that frame of mind really helps me in doing it, um, in a way that I think honors Jesus and, and also like puts my heart in, in, a, in a place to, to really experience him more. Mm. I'll say one more thing and then I know what Emma's going to say next. I'm going to set her up for it, and I want her, I want her to pull through. I'm going to throw the ball up, and I want her to hit, it, hit a home run. It so not happen, but I'm going to try. <laughs> first, um, I would say we often uh, go to other people, and I'm, I'm guilty of this when it comes to, like, commentaries or when it comes to listening to a sermon on a passage before I read it. We have to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us in our Bible reading. And what I mean by that is mm. I love the fact that there are godly men and women who have spent time in making devotionals for people and I think that they're very helpful they are not a substitute for Bible reading they are complementary they help us but they are not a substitute so although I love Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional it's not a replacement and Spurgeon would roll over in his grave his beard would quench if you knew that you were reading his devotional rather than the scriptures. Um, and so I, I, I would say do not substitute uh, your Bible reading for a devotional because it's easier or palpable. Stay in the word. Second point. Are you ready, Emma? I'm, I'm trying to be ready, but I don't know. True or false? It's only good if we read our Bibles alone. False. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. So we, I love to talk about community because I've realized it is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is that he's given us the church. I think that if you only read the Bible alone, you sometimes can get lost in thought 
not on the scriptures. If you're reading it with people, if you're reading it um, together with people, it strengthens your relationship because everyone in that room is going, everybody there is growing closer to the Lord together. And so therefore you're understanding more of how you're supposed to act as brothers and sisters. Um, I think one thing that I've realized this summer is if I like, like we talked about last week of I get out of the rhythms of scripture reading sometimes. And so if I'm trying to get back into the habit and the discipline, it's oftentimes of like, I can text one of my roommates or I can text my friend and say, Hey, can you meet me at Jittery Joe's and just sit and read my Bible with me? Like we don't talk. We don't, if we have a question and we go to the Lord first and we still like are trying to wrestle through it, like we ask one another, but it's not something that we like, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I fully, I second it. Um, what some of the most fruitful time in community mm-hmm. and in me growing with the Lord has been when I'm sitting with a friend and he is struggling through a passage of scripture and then he asked me the question. I'm like, I've never thought about that before. That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Bible and we'll sit there for like an hour, read the text and read other texts and study it google some some the hebrew and greek and other passages like it and try and we're 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 laboring over this text and that has only truthfully happened uh, at its peak in community with other Mm -hmm. brothers so yeah i think to add to that i mean like it might be in a slightly different light of um that question but like have accountability you know like if it's just up to you all the time like sometimes you know we get lazy yeah and sometimes we fall behind but if it's if it's just us like who's there to who's there to say that hey like you know want to encourage you to continue reading blah, you know whatever you know like there's no accountability like we can easily slip up by ourselves so i'd say like have like for me personally like i have a a couple guys each morning that i text them you know, this is what I read. This is kind of a, a takeaway and how it applies. Um, and then they respond with what they read and their takeaway in there. And that's always really cool to see just what they're reading, what they're learning. And then also they are expecting me to send that text each morning. And that's kind of, I know if I, if I miss reading, like they're going to know about it because halfway mm-hmm. through the day, they haven't gotten that text. Yeah. Can I add one more quick yeah. tip? Um, I think one thing that makes me want to read my Bible more is when I'm memorizing it, like not overwhelming sections. But if you know that there are words that you're able to hide in your heart so that when you don't have your Bible in front of you, you can be like, oh yeah, there's this truth about God. There's this truth that can get me through this moment when it feels like the world is just coming after you. I think that memorizing it helps you want to read it more. And it's just a really sweet thing to have. Like it's as sweet as honey. So savor it. And you're, and you're, um, guarding your heart you you are storing yeah. up these truths in your heart to protect yourself from when the enemy's temptations come um, I, I would some of the uh, biggest battles in my life that I've fought some of my biggest sin um, seasons uh, I've been able Lord willing to come come out of those because of exactly what you're saying scripture forming me and affecting me and it really being used as the sword of the spirit to be able to fight the temptations of the enemy um and so but with all that being said uh guys we really just want um we believe as a college ministry the three of us we know that our church believes it 
that the only way that you are ever going to learn to trust and follow Jesus more is through spending time with him in his word because he has fully revealed himself. Um, you know, we mentioned the theological implications out of the beginning, but it's, it, it's so practical in that every part of who God is has been revealed. And if there's one person who is going to change you, it is him. Um, and so uh, we, we just believe that and we want you to be transformed by it. And we want to be transformed by it as a people together in community walking with Jesus. Um, and so with all that being said, uh, we just encourage you um, get plugged into a D group, get plugged into some kind of accountability method, uh, confess your sins to one another. Um, read your Bible together, uh, read your Bible personally, have a per- personal devotion to, to Jesus and, um, follow Jesus all the days of your life. Um, y'all got anything else? No, man, that's good stuff. Amen. So we love you and we love being your Prince college podcast. Boom. 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 Boom.